I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jay Grow with Dogs 24-7. And with me is a special guest, Greg Biggins, along with Kip Adams. Also, he's also very, very special, special to me in, in my heart. Uh, but, guys, we got some big news. Uh, well, a lot of big news for Georgia today, actually. Uh, it, it starts with JT Daniels being uh, declared immediately eligible. He tweeted that out, that, that he has gotten his immediate eligibility waiver. We don't know why. We're not going to talk about why, because there's just not a whole lot to glean uh, that we've gleaned from that so far. Uh, we're going to talk about Georgia's commitment of uh, today. Uh, uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce his first name, Kip. Can you give me some help there? Adane Mitchell. Adane. Adane Mitchell uh, committed to Georgia today, flipped from Ole Miss. That was a big pickup for the Bulldogs, and they had a big visitor over the weekend on his own dime uh, where, where there wasn't any coach contact, and we're going to get into that too. But I'm going to start with you, Greg. We're going to jump right into this JT Daniels thing and, and – you know, I know you've had some contact with some people close to him and, and, and maybe some family there. Talk to me about where he is at as far as his injury goes now that he's been declared immediately eligible, and this is something that's very pertinent to the 2020 season. Yeah, no, I mean, like you said uh, off air, just to reset it, for those who don't know, he actually tore his ACL in, you know, in the last play of the first half of the first game last season. And so – uh, I mean, everything in there was, was torn and ripped up. So uh, he's doing good, you know, still hasn't been hundred uh, percent cleared medically yet, but he's been working out and throwing for, you know, for some time now, he's obviously, you know, out there in, in Athens and he's been throwing and doing the seven on seven and arm feels great. You mentioned it last time he did the pod. It's something about the humidity or, you know, the hand, you know, almost like a Spider-Man thing or saying the ball sticks to your hand a little bit better. He's actually added some, you know, five to 10 yards on his deep ball, but uh, they're hoping I think to hear within a week, uh, maybe a, a week and a half if they are, um, you know, fully medically cleared. So, you know, he's in shape, the, the best shape they've had in a long time. And, um, you know, his, his weight is down. They recently found out that, that uh, you know, he had a, a milk allergy that, honestly, they didn't know he even had. So, uh, you know, he grew up drinking almond milk and switched over to muscle milk. And since they found out about this a few months ago, he's dropped 15 to almost 20 pounds so great shape feeling good arm feels great um really really good in terms of straight line running um needs to you know continue to work on that whole lateral movement but long way long way of saying long-winded way of saying i think they're hoping to get that medical clearance probably within the next week or so and one thing here to, to point out with quarterbacks not being fully cleared at this point isn't that big of a deal for a quarterback i mean if you're an offensive lineman and you're supposed to be working on one-on-ones at this point, and and you're not able to do that. Or if you're a receiver, and and you're you know need to you know be putting in a lot of mileage on your legs right now, then that's an issue. But for a quarterback, I mean, shoot, he could probably get get into preseason camp 
and be cleared halfway through and not really miss anything because there's no contact. There's not a lot of, of, of cutting and things like that. I mean, obviously he's working on the lateral movement, but you know, he's doing that in as part of his rehabilitation process. So it's not that big of a deal, but I do think it's pretty important to kind of set the stage there as far as kids still coming back from an, in, from an injury. And uh, you know, the one thing you don't want to see happen is, Oh wow! Georgia landed this number three quarterback in the in the 2018 class. He's going to come in and he's going to you know play right away. Georgia got Jamie Newman there as well, who has a head start on him. So there's just a lot to to get you know to get to right there. Greg, have you heard anything? And, and I want to get Kip's take on this too. Have you heard anything about how things have been going for him at Georgia? You mentioned the the getting in great shape, but uh, as far as how he's feeling about it and and how comfortable he is and and how much he likes it thus far. You know, he absolutely loves it. And obviously, he, he was at USC, right? So he was at a good school, especially skill position-wise. But just the, the upgrade in athleticism is, is, just, is just amazing. And, you know, just wide receiver freaks all over the place. And I think, you know, he, he loves the community. He loves the passion. He loves the coaching staff. Most of all, I think he really loves Coach Munkin and loves that offense. And that was a huge reason. Again, it wouldn't have mattered if Dan Marino was on the Georgia roster. He was going to pick a school, and he didn't care about competition or depth chart. But the whole plan was, okay, let's go find a school with an, an NFL offensive-minded head coach who's going to allow JT to do what he does best. And, again, kind of some background. Talking about a kid who, in middle school, uh, he led his pop order team to a national title where he was actually calling the plays at modern day high school. Uh, he led a team his junior year, which was his last year in high school. Remember, he uh, reclassified, but his junior year, many people feel that was the best high school team in Southern Section history. Uh, he called the own place, you know, and that's what JT does. He gets the line, and he's phenomenal at, at advanced when it comes to pre-snap and, and post-snap. And, and maybe you only do that six or seven times a game, but shoot, those six or seven times when you're making an adjustment, a quick read, uh, those are game-changing plays, right? And so, obviously um, – their feeling was this is what Coach Munkin wants. He wants a guy who can manage the game, not just a guy who's going to go out there and make some throws, actually a guy who's going to think the position along the lines of, of him, the OC, the quarterback. And so they were big on that. And so far, uh, you know, I, I think JT has been loving that relationship. He loves the offense, the system. And so um, everything they hoped would happen once he got there in terms of just the feel, the offense, the fit, the receivers um, – Throwing with those guys on the side, the relationships, uh, you know, even saying that the relationships with, with Jamie is it, great guy. They've been getting along well. We'll see if that changes now that JT's cleared, right? But so far, everything's been great relationally and, and system-wise and offense-wise. And you like to hear that. I mean, even if it's not a team you cover or or even not a team you like, you just like to hear that these guys made good decisions, that, that they're that – they're, confirmed in, in the decision they made. They feel good about it, and they're, and they're, you know, getting along with their life really well. And that's, uh, you know, this is a guy that moved from one coast to the other. He's not, you know, one of these kids that, that chose to come from the Rust Belt or the Sun Belt over to to uh, to the state of California. He's a, he's a California kid. And, and then coming over to Georgia all the way across the country to, a, to kind of a new world. I mean, you almost need a, a, a visa to, to go from <laughs> the two places in terms of how different they are. Uh, culture-wise, and, and it's cool to hear that a guy's fitting in well and he's happy and, and feeling good about things, especially considering what he went through last year with the injury. Kip, I've heard some stuff, but I want to hear from you on this, a little bit different angle than, than Greg here. What are you hearing about how he has looked and, and, and kind of the impact he has made since being at Georgia from, from a player and, and leadership standpoint? 
you know, all returns on, on from what I've heard is said that the his teammates love him. I mean, the receivers have really warmed up to him, and that he's. I mean, he's dove into the playbook. You know, as soon as he knew Georgia was the place for him, he made sure to get with Coach Monk and the staff, and and just dive right in. And you talk about Jamie Newman, you know, having uh, several months advantage, you know, in that playbook, but. From everything I've heard, JT has just stormed in there and really, you know, just impressed everyone uh, from the talking to the staff, from, you know, throwing with, with teammates. They really like what he brings to the table. So, overall, I mean, we're in mid-July. We're not sure what the future holds. We're not sure what, if, when practice will really be able to kick into gear. But, you know, trying to give a, a – overall handicap right now I think Georgia if they're playing football in 2020 that right now they have a quarterback battle on their hands a legitimate one and you know I I like JT Daniels chances I mean again Newman had the the heads up I mean he got there first he got that head start but I mean even though Newman brings 16 starts to the table JT brings 12 so it's it's again we're still talking about two guys who have been at the helm for an entire season each and I think that JT's skill set and what he has done so far at Georgia and throwing in the voluntary workouts with his teammates has I've heard enough to know that I think JT has a legitimate shot to compete for the starting quarterback job for Georgia this fall. Yeah, and I think that's legit. I mean, I think that's a legit way to look at it. I, I do think Jamie Newman has a fight on his hands. Now, I would probably give um, Newman, if I were handicapping it, I'd give him the, the, the edge in odds there just because I really do think that that extra several months he had on JT in terms of getting to know his teammates, he had a, a two-month head start as far as the offense itself. And, and you know, while there were no practices, there were walkthroughs and things like that. And that's kind of a discussion, I think, for another day. Um, outside of acknowledging that there's going to be a quarterback battle. But, listen, I, I reported in, in our insider notes uh, over at Dogs 24-7 here uh, a couple weeks ago maybe and, and, and even last week that, I mean, the buzz has all been positive about both of these guys. But, but, but JT, you know, in particular and, and you know, the confidence, uh, I think that's one thing that, that has really stood out to people thus far. He's a very confident kid. And he's come in and he's just kind of meshed real well with everyone. And, and you can always tell the guy that wants to fit in and, and knows the right way to do it. And then the guy that just either doesn't know the right way to do it or doesn't really care to fit in, he's just kind of a mercenary. And both of these guys have done that well. And, you know, listen, I, obviously when you've got, you've got the old saying that if you have two quarterbacks, well, then you really have none. And I don't think that's the, this type of situation for Georgia because what they have on their hands here – are a couple of quarterbacks that that play the game almost recklessly, and I and I mean that in a good way. They play the game the way it's supposed to be played. And Jamie Newman's had some injury issues. Uh, JT Daniels has some injury issues. Is coming off an injury, so it's very very important. I think that Georgia has both of these guys to kind of compete for the job and to build a little depth. Uh, Greg, based on what you know about JT, and we may have covered this when we had you on the first time, whenever he announced his transfer to Georgia. What, in your mind, kind of gives him the best shot or, or makes you believe he's got the best shot to kind of be the guy for Georgia as soon as possible? 
Yeah, and, and obviously not to discount Jamie at all. And I, I think you made a great point. You know, you got to throw out that old saying, if you have two, you don't have one. I think, you know, if we can use the C word, um, you know, the, the not COVID, not the other one that you probably shouldn't say. Um, but shoot, chances are, you know, you're going to have some guys that, that, that might catch it down the line, right? What if you're going into a big game and your star quarterback suddenly gets sick? I think having two guys that are both very, very good is, is a great uh, problem to have. So in terms of why I think JT fits, again, you kind of mentioned, you know, Jamie got a head start, which he absolutely did. But in terms of the head start on, on learning Munkin's playbook, right, it wasn't that much more, right? Because I know he committed prior to Munkin jumping in. You guys can give me the time frame or the, the dates. But JT's had ample time to really study that playbook and grasp it. And, and I think that's, again, that's what he does. And not to say that Jamie doesn't do that, but JT – uh, he has a, a, a mind that's just an NFL-level mind when it comes to reading and dissecting, and he loves that. He loves taking a playbook and dissecting. He likes going to the line of scrimmage and, and making plays and, and making those quick decisions and, and getting the ball out quick and on time. And th th that's what he does, and that's why I think that's what the Munkin offense is all about. And so I think because of that, um, you know, I, I think he's got a great shot, right? He, he thinks the position, and not to discount his physical tools – he, he can bring it. I mean, he's a, he's a stronger-armed kid than people think. And like you mentioned before, man, he's a, a natural leader. People have always liked him. Uh, he's always been a great teammate at the lower levels going up to high school. And like you mentioned it, no, no prima donna in him. He didn't come in there, you know, acting like a mercenary. He came in and, and was picking up kids, taking them to seven-on-seven, seven, doing the practice with them. He wanted to really be that guy who was going to be a great teammate to everybody, whether you're the star guy or the lower guy. He wanted to just kind of come in humble, and I think he's done that. But I think his ability to, to again, kind of similar to, you know, Jake Fromm as a true freshman. It just he JT has advanced when it comes to knowing an offense, making reads, decisions. And then he has – I think he has the tools. The only thing that, for me, might be a little bit of a concern – especially if what that first game of the year, if it's against Alabama, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I think that's the first league game is, and that's, that's some serious pass for us coming at you for a guy who hasn't played in a year and, you know, still hasn't been fully medically cleared. Like I said, JT's fine, you know, going forward, but the whole lateral making guys miss. Uh, and that's why I think it might not be a bad thing for the first few games to play both guys, right? And give them both live reps and, and see how it goes. But uh, for all those other reasons I mentioned, I think, you know, that and kind of piggyback with what the Kip said, you know, I do think he's got a legitimate shot. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And, and there's a full-fledged quarterback competition at Georgia. And it's amazing how quickly things change because on, on January 8th, you didn't know uh, who was going to be Georgia's starting quarterback. They had nobody with with a start on the roster at the time. And, and they had uh, – they had one guy, Stetson Bennett, with, with three games under his belt of, of action and not even three entire games, just three – two mop-up duties and one play for, a, for an injury. And then uh, now they've got two guys with a combined 28 starts. And not only that, they have two guys that are very much used to grabbing those practice scripts, taking players out to the field for seven-on-sevens, running those things, leading in those things. And, and that's huge. That's huge for your team in the offseason. And, and uh, hopefully we get to see – uh, football this season. Uh, Kip, anything else, any other uh, pardon shot type thoughts you want to add concerning JT Daniels and kind of the quarterback battle and, and what Georgia has on their hands here with, with him being eligible immediately? I just think overall you got to look at how Kirby handled the, the transfer portal. We got to look again. I mean, we talked about it. 
you know, Kirby got a lot of flack for how things went down in, in 2018 with Jake Fromm and Justin Fields. And honestly, I mean, it was a tough situation. You had a quarterback who had led you to a national championship game as a true freshman. And you had another quarterback who was still adjusting and learning the playbook and adjusting to college football in general. He was put in a very tough situation and he played the guy he thought was going to give him the best chance to win in 2018. And, and that, you know, just went with the hand he was dealt. And we saw how 2019 went for Georgia and offensively. And again, a lot criticism on Kirby Smart as a young head coach and, and – how he's handle, handling the offense, and he makes a change. He brings in a new offensive coordinator in, in Todd Munkin and also brings in an assistant in Buster Faulkner, who's, you know, had success working with quarterbacks as well. And then, I mean, not only does he get one outstanding transfer quarterback, but he, but he gets two uh, in, in the same cycle. I, I think you just got to say that potentially – Kirby may have not only, I mean, adjusted, but he may have come out of this in an outstanding position and, and given Georgia a chance that, again, if football is played this year, uh, they have a championship-caliber roster, and they have two quarterbacks on the roster who could take them to that championship. So I think not knowing what was going to happen this year with the quarantine, not being able to predict any of that, I don't think he could have handled the quarterback position any better than – Kirby Smart has in 2020. Definitely making the the best of a situation that he was very much criticized over last year. And, and I, you know, there were some uh, – you know, I definitely don't think there were cheap shots or anything else but there, or anything like that, but there were some jabs in there about from fields and, and how that all went. But I think he – you know, he, he, he whether he considers that a mistake or not, I don't know. But ultimately, it really seems like he, he kind of took the quarterback position to heart this offseason, went out and got a guy like Todd Munkin to run a quarterback-friendly system, and then got two real big-time quarterbacks, and that's great. Greg, thanks for joining us, man. We really appreciate it. We're going to take a break here real quick. And uh, on the other side, we're going to talk about Georgia's newest commitment, Adonai Mitchell, and, uh, and then talk about the, uh, the, the whole uh, Brock Bowers visit this, this past weekend. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, Kip. Adani Mitchell, six foot three, 190 pounds, old miss commitment. George beats out Auburn to flip him because Auburn was all over him as well. What do you know about him? Because as a three-star prospect, and got to give Rusty Mansell some credit here. He brought this one up a few weeks ago as a guy that Georgia was trying to flip and that Georgia was very much in on. What do you know about him, and, and, and what do you think of him as, as a prospect? Well, first of all, I'm going to add to the credit we're giving today. Uh, this call this the – the bank of the junkyard. I'm going to give credit to Keith Niebuhr because he called me last month and said, Hey, I just spoke to a guy who says George is on him hot and heavy. And we hadn't really touched on him a lot on dogs 24 seven. He, he gave me the Intel and I wrote it that day. He said that the kid said that that Georgia was talking to him nonstop as well as was Auburn. So immediately, you know, this was a guy that was on our radar and, it turns out that, yeah, Georgia was pushing for him. And, you know, Donnie Mitchell is a guy that, I mean, he's really interesting physically. I mean, 6'3", 185 pounds. His recruitment also interesting. You know, a guy that spent his sophomore, freshman, sophomore seasons in Texas, playing football in Texas, and then, you know, transferred to, to Tennessee and, and had an outstanding breakout junior season that kind of really put him on the radar of a lot of programs for a while there, you know, it was thought that maybe he was going to be a 2020 prospect. And so it was kind of tough for schools to recruit him, not knowing which class he was going to be in. And ultimately, you know, he turned out to be a 2021 guy. Georgia had him in camp last summer. And so it was a guy that they knew what he brought to the table physically. You know, he stayed on their board. He was on the 2020 board. And then, you know, when he moved to 2021 officially – he was high on that 2021 board, and wide receiver is one of those positions where it's been just really interesting because with Georgia's spots this year, they did sign a lot of guys in the, in the last cycle. We still think that they only plan to sign two wide receivers in this cycle. So, I mean, it tells you a lot about Adonis Mitchell that, I mean, they did not hesitate to take this kid's commitment when he started showing serious interest in them, you know, the last two months. He, you know, being an Ole Miss commitment, he was on board with the Rebels. But when Georgia and Auburn started really pushing there, he, he behind the scenes, he opened things up, I believe, in, in mid to late May. And so it was a, not a question of if, it was a question of when he was going to decommit and, and just where he was going to go. And Auburn felt really good as recently as a couple of days ago. You know, they thought they really had a shot on this guy, and he's a guy that was very high on their board as well, with them also having limiting, limited wide receiver spots. I think they might be taking two. So it's a guy that both Auburn and Georgia, schools that might be taking maybe two wide receivers each, and it's a guy that they are both battling for. So, that, I mean, that tells you a lot about kind of just the interest level and how legitimate of a prospect he is. I think you look at that size and you look at what he was able to do as a junior and it's very intriguing physically. I think that there, there is a significant improvement from his sophomore, the junior season. And even from that junior season to the workouts he's been doing this spring where you could just see that he's a guy that's continued to get better as far as being a route runner, 
his separation, his natural hands, and ability to high point the football. I think that his stock was definitely up this spring. And again, without there being any summer camps and potentially, you know, football this fall, it's tough to really gauge what where he would be as far as rankings are if we had a normal cycle. But I know that at 24-7 Sports, the junior film caught their eye and they definitely wanted to see more of him. And Georgia had already saw enough. They went ahead and, and, and you know, took the commitment and, and locked in their first wide receiver for this class. And, you know, watching his film, Kip, I feel like that as a big receiver, you know, like I said, 6'3", 190 pounds, not, not far from not, – not much more than, than George Pickens or not, not far from where George Pickens kind of measured in last year at Georgia. I feel like he's really good with the ball in his hands. And, and that's not typical – for big receivers. There are absolutely the guys that are out there that are great with the ball in their hands uh, that are the big wideouts. But but it's not it's, – it's a little more common with your smaller, more compact wideouts that, that are kind of not necessarily built like running backs, but, but kind of uh, – they just tend to be a little bit more twitchy and a little tougher to bring down in space. And, and Mitchell, to me, you know, you watch his film, he breaks a ton of tackles. He gets a ton of yards after the catch. He picks up the tough yards after the catch. He shows a willingness to block, and, and I'm sure there's a lot of things he's going to have to work on, and, and there's a reason that he's a three-star prospect, and that's positive and negative. There's a reason that, that you know, he hasn't really stood out to the point that somebody thinks, well, he's a top 100 guy or a top 24-7 guy, but he's still a three-star prospect, and I think folks kind of get lost on how good a player is to be a three-star prospect, and and uh, he kind of he reminds me a little bit of, of – uh, in a way of like a Muhammad Massaqua. And I mean that as somebody who saw him in person in high school, was in college at the time, and I went up to see him at Independence High School play on a Friday night. Uh, he was a guy that that he was a bigger receiver at around six foot two, and, and he was polished as a route runner. So I don't really want to put Mitchell in that category yet. But but he was when when he caught the ball after when he caught the ball he wasn't necessarily shaking everybody, making everybody miss. He was breaking tackles. He was just a natural uh, guy with the ball in his hands. And I think that's just something that, that when you've got a big receiver like that, when you've got a guy that, hey, you can, you can go let him high point it, you can throw it to him right now and let him break a couple tackles, it's always big. And, and that's just kind of what stands out to me. And, and you bring up an excellent point. Not only, not only do you bring up, you know, do you, do you talk about, you know, obviously Auburn and Georgia wanting them with a small class, but listen, I mean, Ole Miss has put out some big-time wide receivers lately, and I know their head coach from those last couple, two or three years, and, and obviously it was Hugh Freeze before that, is that Georgia now is the, is the office of uh, – as the office line coach. But, you know, Lane Kiffin coached some really good ones at Alabama. He knows what they look like. Uh, Matt Luke knows what they look like. Cortez Hankton knows what they look like. And this is a – you know, if you're not – if you're a stargazer and you're, and you're wanting to see Georgia bring in elite, you know, movers, shaker-type talent – uh, this is a trust the coaches one because this kid's got some really impressive film. He's done some impressive things on the field. And I'm just kind of anxious to see how he develops and, and how this, you know, whole cycle goes for him because if he ends up getting a chance to play as a senior, do people see a senior film and really think, wow, this, this kid has what it takes because there are some more talented guys, not, not, I wouldn't say more talented, more highly rated guys on Georgia's board. And it appears that, that the, you know, UGA staff may have prioritized them a little bit more uh, than, than maybe fans would. Uh, let's move on here real quick before we close this thing up. Brock Bowers, and we talked about this going into going into the visit weekend. 
Um, Kip, you were able to catch up with him afterward. How did that visit go, and, and where do you think Georgia stands with him? Well, I think just, again, to reiterate from the last show, you know, getting a, a, a guy to go across the country. You mentioned earlier in the show that, you know, JT Daniels basically needed a green card on his trip. Well, Brock Bowers and his family made the same trip you know, just for an unofficial visit on their own without even being able to meet with the Georgia coaching staff since we're still in this extended dead period, you know, during, you know, the quarantine and everything. They're, they're not able to meet with the Georgia staff and they're not able to, you know, go inside the facilities. Luckily, Georgia was able to get Brock on campus back in January and, and knock that visit out of the park. And it, the whole point of this trip was he wanted to make an additional visit before making his decision. He was trying to be diligent with the process, waiting to see when visits would be able to take place. And it just didn't work out that he would be able to take visits before the season as far as official or unofficial visits. So he decided to make this visit on his own to Georgia. You know, by all accounts, the visit went outstanding. You know, Todd Hartley FaceTimed with Brock Bowers and was able to kind of be an unofficial tour guide the best way he can. You just kind of adapt to the situation you're given, and that's exactly what Todd Hartley did. And he also spent time with, with Chaz Chambliss, the linebacker commit from Carrollton, and, and Brock Vandergriff, your quarter, Georgia's quarterback commit right up the road uh, in, in Bogart. So, again, Georgia not able to meet with Brock Bowers, but the top 100 tight end still was able to have a couple hosts helping Georgia out and Brock and, and Chaz. And I, I think that really, it, you know, couldn't have gone much better without, you know, him going ahead and publicly committing to Georgia. But still, Todd Hartley is zeroed in on this guy as his main tight end target. He's got to feel pretty good about it right now. Brock has gone back home and, and is, you know, thinking things over. He would like to visit Washington at the end of the month and, and, and kind of compare that program, a program he's never been to, with Georgia, a program that has, you know, had productivity in recent years at the tight end position with Hunter Bryant. I think that Georgia set the bar very high, and I think they are in great shape to land Brock's commitment whenever he does decide to go ahead and announce. And, again, Todd Hartley got his, you know, top guy in Darnell Washington last year, a five-star, and he's got a chance to land another elite prospect, another elite out-of-state prospect in Brock Bowers, who's a top 100 prospect and the nation's number three tight end. So, so far, the the returns from Todd Hartley as a recruiter at Georgia have been pretty phenomenal. And I really, really want to put an emphasis on just how unique of a – I mean, this is an Evan Ingram-style tight end at at Georgia, and these guys have proven to be – big-time matchup issues in the past. I mean, this is a guy who can split out in the slot for you and be a uh, and be a weapon there. He can kind of move in. He can play H-back. There's a lot of different things he can do. And uh, I'm really interested to see what happens here. And, and you know, obviously Georgia's in the catbird seat, it really looks like. And, and I know Washington is, is also in the mix as well. But, but uh, you know, Georgia definitely making a move for another top guy. And that's two commitments now in a very short period of time. Uh, you know they got inside linebacker the, the inside linebacker commit last week, and then they they added uh, um, Adani Mitchell today, and and uh, you know Brock Bowers could not could be you know kind of uh, one of the guys here in the very near future. You know they got Smile Munden still on the board, a lot of meat left on the bone for Georgia in recruiting, and a lot of a lot of fireworks let's say 
uh, you know, because the Bulldogs are now sitting at number 13, just uh, just about seven points outside of the uh, top 10 in the 247 Sports Composite Team Rankings. And uh, as they rise, we'll have it covered for you. Uh, that's all we've got for this episode of the Junkyard Dogcast, though. I'm Jake Rowe. He's Kip Adams. We're from Dogs 24-7. And as always, everybody take it easy and be safe. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.